flags are everywhere, but some are better than others. On this bi-weekly podcast, we analyze the history, the design, and the cultural significance of different flags from all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. This episode, we will be exploring the design and the cultural significance of the flag of Greece. I'm John Meredith, and this is Flag Theory. The Greek flag is absolutely stunning. It's one of my favorites. This week, we have an amazing guest calling in from Corfu, Greece. So let's not waste any time and get right into our flag design guidelines. Rule number one, is it simple? Yes, this flag consists of a white cross and an upper blue canton with nine alternating blue and white stripes in the field. Rule number two, use meaningful symbolism. The blue represents the Mediterranean Sea and the white symbolizes purity or the sky. The cross symbolizes Eastern Orthodox Christianity and the nine stripes for the phrase freedom or death in Greek, which we will talk about later in the episode. Rule number three, does it have two to three colors? Yes, this flag only uses two colors, white and some form of blue. Rule number four, no lettering or numbers. This flag does not use any lettering or numbers of any kind. Finally, rule number five, is the flag unique? I'm gonna save this question for our guest, but I promise it passes with flying colors. So we already know the Greek flag is good. It's very good, but don't take my word for it. Please welcome Strati Andreadis. I'll let you introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. I run a few companies in Greece. I run a small company here in Corfu called Salty Bag. Mm-hmm. We are a sail reuse company. So we take uh, used sails from charter boats and uh, yachts, etc. We upcycle them into high-end bags for the fashion industry. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, so that's fun. I have a small real estate company in Athens that's trying to do some sustainable tourism investments. Mm-hmm. In my free time, I either race uh, sailboats or I create uh, yacht races to help out. I'm in a couple of the committees in the World Sailing Federation, um, and I just try to help out and grow the sport of sailing. So it's a lot about the sea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What got you interested in flags and in flag design? I'll try and tell you um, a little bit about flag design. Flags are beautiful things and they're extremely powerful things. A flag is a, is a piece of textile that you can color the sky with. So um, as human beings, we should color the sky with beautiful things. And because um, flags have mainly been used to project power, to project very serious things, I think it's high time that we try to project beautiful things and more positive things um, that are less exclusionary and more inclusive. Why I got into flags, Um, when I was growing up and uh, I was going around the sea, flags were a language. I mean, you would go around and you'd see these beautiful, huge yachts. They were gleaming in the Mediterranean sun and they were flying the flag of whatever country. But that meant something. It meant that the owner knew how to use those flags for a specific reason. So it was like it was a secret language that I was getting into. So I thought that was really cool. And I loved that. Since this episode is specifically about the Greek flag, what is the current role of the flag playing for the people of Greece? Is it flying outside of businesses? Is it at sporting events? Is it on boats? Like, where would I see this flag? By law, you have to fly um, 
the Greek flag at, on a Greek boat. Mm-hmm. It's uh, flown by a lot of businesses. It's flown at sporting events. Um, it's very well used. It's also interesting to note that it's illegal to fly it from your business or from your house, except on very specific dates, on the Independence Day on the 25th of March. You see it a lot. And you mainly, unfortunately, see it in very cheap plastic versions that um, look horrible. Mm. Is there a strict flag code and flag etiquette like there is in the U.S.? The law about flags, which is law number 851 of 1978, is fairly strict on some things. So it tells you the exact dimensions. It tells you what the flagpole must look like when you parade the flag. And it tells you also what sort of materials you should use and not use. So it's very specific, but it does have some things which are not that specific. So it doesn't define the color blue, which is bizarre. Fun fact, the official blue of the Greek flag at the 2008 Beijing Olympics and the 2012 London Olympics were different colors of blue. So the U.S. flag code is mainly out of respect for the flag. You can't be punished for not following the flag code. Is it like that in Greece? Um, Anglo-Saxon countries generally can have laws that are more based on respect because there's a different uh, understanding of the individual and his relationship to what he should do with the law than a lot of Mediterranean countries. Why does the Greek flag have nine stripes? We have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) We have it the foggiest. It's horrible. (laughs) We're, We're celebrating 200 years. And we have no idea why they came up with that, um, with the nine stripes. Is there an urban legend about it or anything? It's, it's a mystery. It's the mystery of the Greek flag. We learn in school that it's the syllables to the phrase in Greek, Eleftheria Ithanatos, which means freedom or death. But there's no historical document which, uh, which says that. Mm-hmm. We have an oral tradition from certain people who were in touch with the person, Alexandros Mavrokordatos, who signed the first Greek flag into being, who apparently he did it just so the Greek flag wouldn't have so many symbols of secret societies that were very popular then. But otherwise, we have no clue. We really don't know. We don't know even why they have stripes. The only, the only other two countries that had the stripes and a canton were the U.S. and the East India Company. Can you talk a little bit about the historical variations of the Greek flag and how they changed over time? There were originally three Greek flags. There was a square flag with a white cross on a blue field. And then there were two versions, one which had the nine stripes and one which had no stripes. Until 1974, on land, you had to fly the um, rectangular version that didn't have any stripes, and it was just a cross on a blue field. So a lot of people confuse that, and they think that the original version of the flag is the one that doesn't have the stripes. And it was this kind of poetical moment where I, um, I was talking to this guy who his dad was in the... Hellenic Navy, and he was a merchant ship captain for decades. And he was flying on his uh, boat the old version of the cross on the blue, the white cross on the blue field. And I, I went up to him and I said, Why are you doing this since you know that it's the wrong version? And he says, I do it because my dad did it, because he, his consideration was that you fly just the cross and you let the wake of the boat make the stripes. 
Oh, I love that. I think that a truly great flag can transition easily from just being on a flagpole to the wake of the boat. And I did it. it was a nice, it was a really nice image. Given your background in maritime vexillology, what makes the Greek flag unique? It's the only ensign. So if we, if we call an ensign uh, the maritime version of your national flag, it's the only ensign that's the official national flag of a country. I have a lot of fun with all the people in the UK who um, start flying the Union flag on their boats because they think it's cool or whatever. But Greece is it's an island country. It's a country of the sea. So there's a lot of mountains, but there's a lot of sea, right? The history of Greece is tied to the sea. So I think it's very important to never forget that the national symbol of the country is its maritime symbol. So that I think is really cool. And it's something that it doesn't occur to a lot of people, but it's, it's a nice idea to keep in mind. The bicentennial anniversary of Greece's independence from the Ottoman Empire is the 25th of this month. I am familiar with how the United States celebrates its independence with like parades and fireworks and that sort of thing. How does Greece celebrate theirs? Well, every 25th of March in Athens, there's a large uh, military parade. They get out their tanks and the aircraft and guns and frogmen dressed in their uh, neoprene. So it's, it's very military and all that. How is this year going to be different? Well, everything went haywire with the coronavirus. There were people planning fantastic things to happen, an outdoor celebration, and the whole thing went belly up. Otherwise, there's a, there's a couple of organizations that are running a whole bunch of things that have to do with the history of Greece. There's um, there's a few people who are Instagramming and tweeting live the history of what happened then day by day, which is really interesting. The National Historical Museum of Athens, which is the largest depository of flags um, in Greece, it's the largest museum of flags in Greece. Mm-hmm. It's going to start this thing sometime in late March, I believe, or early April, called Epanasistasi, which means reworking things. They have this graphic designer and artist who's reimagining the flags of Greece in a modern context. So it's going to be interesting. Otherwise, I don't know, they're just celebrating it all around Greece in various ways. But it's, it's, all, it's all been very, very muted by the fact that you can't go out yet. Under normal conditions, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. It's a big deal to a lot of people, but um, it's a democracy. You have a lot of voices. So it's a big deal to a lot of people, and it's a big deal to a lot of people for things that have gone wrong. Celebrating a state means also remembering the good and the bad. Right after the Second World War, we had a horrible civil war. We had a military junta in 1967 to 1974. Any celebration like this should be a celebration about what went well and what went wrong. It's really easy to celebrate the good times and to forget the bad times, but it's really important to remember both. Strati, thank you so much for being a guest on Flag Theory. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you very much, John. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening this week to Flag Theory. Also, special thanks to our friend from Greece, Strati, for recommending this episode. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at flagtheorypodcast at gmail.com or Instagram message me at flagtheorypodcast. 
You can also find pictures of the flags we talk about in a guide format on the Instagram page too. The music, editing, technical production, and catering was done this week by yours truly, John Meredith. Don't forget that you can get a free audiobook and month subscription for free if you head over to audibletrial.com slash flag theory. It's the easiest way to support the podcast. Next episode will be on March 27th. Can't wait to see you guys then.